Hello and welcome back to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. My name is Julian Guderlei and today I'm sharing another Victoria BC series interview with you. Today's guest is Andrew McLeod. Andrew is a personal friend of mine. We actually play soccer together. Um, also though, he's the C3O of Certain, a company in Victoria, British Columbia. Certain is the new standard in risk management solutions for credit issuers, landlords, and property management firms. So it is using proprietary technology and accurately predicts customer behavior and eliminates virtually any risk from credit and property portfolios. A little bit more about Certain from Andrew just in a second here. Andrew McLeod is also two times Forbes 30 under 30 nominee. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Dude, start with what is a C3O? I, I'm like baffled by it. I love it. Uh, C3O is, is a concept that, uh, that we came up with here at Certain. We wanted to promote a culture that was more flat and more open. So we took the E and, and we flipped it upside down. Uh, my two best friends are actually my business partners. And, uh, and we made this pact that, you know, we're going to make decisions together. Uh, you know, whether we're together individually, we're going to make sure that we're always thinking the way that the other two uh, that may not be there uh, would think. And I mean, it's, it's paid off in spades. Amazing. So E C three O in the sense of a turn and flip E. Exactly. Yeah. So on the model of holacracy or just like flat hierarchy. Exactly. And, and I mean the concept that like in our organization, I mean, we're, we're, we're not very big. Um, You know, there's, there's 14 of us here, but, whether you're the newest employee or the first employee, anyone can walk into my office or pull out my earphones or, you know, play soccer. You know, it, it's not the traditional, oh, the CEO is up here. Um, it, it's, it's quite the opposite, actually. I mean, not to jump into this right away, but as a, as a leader or somebody that was fortunate enough to have a good idea, we need to build our team around us with people that are better than we are at what they're doing. And that's exactly what the C3O stands for, where, you know, we're, we're at the top by virtue of, you know, we started the company and we came up with the idea, but we're not always the experts. We'll always be there to help where we can, but uh, having that, that team approach is, is super important. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I love that you are jumping right into it. Well, let's backtrack maybe a little bit and um, help, help listeners understand what is Certain and what does Certain do? Sure. So Certain is a platform that was designed to help people put their best foot forward as applicants. So whether they're applying for an apartment or credit or a job, what we do is we look at alternative data to help assess people uh, and to help them put their best foot forward. So we look at things like uh, social media, whether it be you know LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, we look at criminal and court records globally from 240 countries and 77 languages uh, to not only help keep people safe in the workplace or you know in their homes, uh, but to help our clients alleviate risk, and so that we're not relying solely on credit for some of the most important decisions that that uh, we might have to make as business owners. Very cool. Very cool. So it's a form of like background check, but like way deeper. Yeah, it would be like a background check, but, uh, but way deeper. So the most common thing is like, you know, we look at criminal records, like that's, that's kind of our, our big thing and records that, 
um, you know, may not be um, may not be criminal, but might have an impact on your employment or your tenancy. Uh, these days, we see a lot. You know, if somebody's on Twitter preaching about uh, you know how much they hate a certain group, that may not be a good person to hire in say uh, you know a government position um, or you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, that's really amazing. What I wanted to li listen in a, a lot more um, than, than the specifics of what Certain does is kind of your entrepreneurial journey and the way that you ended up founding a company like that. And, and um, yeah, like what, what kind of comes to play for you when you, when you like summarize or when you, you share about your mindset and your entrepreneurial journey? You can start wherever and, and just kind of guide us into what makes Andrew the, the way he is? Well, I think what makes Andrew the way he is is is, uh, is a combination of luck and perseverance. You know, the uh, uh, we kind of talked about before before yeah. the show here. I've, I've tried a lot of things. You know, I've done a lot of stuff for uh, a 31 year old. I think I've incorporated 13 times, uh, and uh, and I mean, I've I've wow. definitely had my successes, uh, but but you know, amongst those was failures. Uh, I, th I think I've, I made and lost more money by the time I was 20 than some people did in their entire, have, like have in their entire lives. Um, and I, I think that really goes to show what, what has shaped me, you know, and, and whether that be in the decisions that I've made, uh, the business partners that I've taken, uh, and the people that have influenced me throughout my journey or helped me throughout my journey, that's really been what's shaped me. Very cool. So kind of like the people that, that surround you and, and failure, I hear failure in there. Failure shaped you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, failure is, is the ultimate education. Most people fear failure where I, I embrace it. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. competitive generally, but you know, when it comes to failing, it, it's something that has made me, has made me who I am today. And Despite, you know, I, I've, I've got a bachelor's in business and a master's of international business and law. Despite all of the money that I had spent on school, I have learned far more from failing in a business or, um, you know, an endeavor than I ever did, you know, behind a textbook or listening to a professor. Very interesting. Very interesting. It's, it's obviously not the first time people talk about failure and failure being a teacher. And I personally, in my mind, I'm like, why are we not being taught how to fail with dignity in school to then pivot and kind of become who we are, right? But like, what is it in, in the process of failing? Like, is it, is it that you're trying out something you thought that would work and you're just seeing how reality takes it in? Or like, what is it in that process that you're, as you said, you're not avoiding, but you're actually embracing at this point? Well, it, it's really about the steps that you take to achieve something. And I, I think eventually you realize that there's a formula. A, a good example is, is one of the first businesses that I ever started. Uh, and, and there's actually a, a podcast uh, about it called Fuck Up Nights. And uh, I started a business that, that started off as a disaster. I tried to basically replicate eBay, but local so you didn't have to ship. And pretty much I broke like everything. Like I, I, I broke the payments piece. So like, you know, people weren't able to pay each other the auction piece didn't work and it just became a classified site. And then in 2007, I, I sold my classified site for, uh, you know, what, what was a big exit for a, you know, 
20 year old uh, or a very small exit for you know anyone in in tech uh, but you know the, the the success of that actually didn't teach me anything except I just felt that I was lucky and that the the company or the private equity group that bought my little business uh, you know in my mind at the time they were suckers because it wasn't going anywhere <laughs> like, <"Thank> you <laughs> yeah well, yeah jokes on them that's now Kijiji so it's like oh, wow. yeah yeah like oh I mean yeah I was I really had a lot of foresight in, into that and then uh, you know shortly after that when I, I thought I was super successful um, at you know at, at a young age I, I I started an events company and I was doing all these events and then one one night I, I lost this big event and that was actually the first time you know I, I had this epiphany that like I should I should be tra- well once I failed I should be tracing the steps of what I'm doing and part of that is planning you know when you're 19 20 whatever 21 you just want to shoot from the hip and you want to just go for it and it it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because you are the ultimate consumer and whatever you want is clearly what everybody wants. Uh, and, and that was kind of the beginning of like, you know, uh, embracing failure in that you can test hypotheses and if they fail, at least you can take out of it like, Oh, you know, step two did not go so well. When I do this again, next time I'm going to do a better job of evaluating my customer base before spending money or, wasting time right. on something that may not fly Be- becoming a little bit smarter in the process and in the planning exactly I, I personally had to go through a very similar kind of loop in my 20s where i would shoot from the hip and would certainly think my own judgment is is good enough to just start and try right <laughs> so yeah we're all learning we're all learning i, I love your answers and i think it's it's quite the buzzword uh, failure that we're tackling here let me jump into another one of those um which is abundance and abundance mindset. And I've interviewed quite a few people on abundance mindset, and I'd, I'd love to hear your spin on it, especially understanding that you used the word luck, I think two or three times already in this conversation. Like, how does abundance um, come to carry in your, in your mind or in your philosophy? I mean, I think for me, it's, it's a little bit different. Like my, I'm passionate about business as a, you know, as a hobby. Um, but for me, abundance is, is all about, you know, lifestyle and my well-being, uh, and, and I mean, just happiness in general. Uh, I, you know, I think I, I talked earlier about like, you know, how I've made and lost more money in my first 20 years on this earth than most people have in their entire life. And during that time, and, and I mean, and, and in the decades since then, sometimes when I was at my most abundant uh, financially, I was mentally and physically in in the worst place I could be, and and that had impact on my personal relationships, mm-hmm. my health, my well being. Um, so you know, when we talk about the uh, abundance mentality and and as it relates to starting businesses, now I, I start businesses completely differently than I, I did before, uh, and starting with the foundation, you know, people that you work with. Um, you know, the things that you do, you have to be proud of, you have to be able to sleep at night. Um, and you have to be able to get excited every day to come to work. Uh, and we've all had we've all had jobs, we've all had businesses where like every morning we regret coming to work, where I work with the 14 best people on the planet, uh, in what I think is the best city in the world. Uh, well, I am, yes, it is. 
Exactly. Victoria, British Columbia, yeah. Exactly. I'm healthier than I've I've ever been. Uh, like I I mean, I'm known for the saying "living the dream" because like I am I am literally living the dream. And I, like I don't make a ton of money. Like trust me, if you if you saw my paychecks, you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> that's not uh, that's that's barely a living wage, but. I, I love what I'm doing and, and I mean, things just seem to like gravitate towards that, um, towards me living the dream where it's like a lot of great stuff happens because I'm, I'm happy. Like I, I'm in, enjoying what I'm doing and, you know, money is not my big concern. Yeah, very cool. I love how you're expanding on abundance being more than monetary abundance. Um, tell us maybe in, in, in correspondence to that. So like what's, what's happiness for you? You've kind of hinted at it already, but what, what is happiness um, in, in like your felt experience? So, I, I mean, I think I can define happiness in like in a moment um, and, and both literal and figurative, like happiness is that, that moment when you're, when you're paddling into a wave and you know that you've got it and you probably have the goofiest face in the world uh, as you're, you know, you're pushing down and you're standing up and it's like, it, you know, it, it's in that moment where, you know, you're, you've just gained control, but there's still that, you know, that risk of falling. And I think that, you know, for me right now, like I, I'm in that position, you know, I, I have a great business, you know, we're, we're standing up, certain's doing really well. Uh, and, and I mean, we're, we're about to get barreled, you know, it's about to be the, cool. the best way of life. And that's, for, that's for everyone who didn't get it. That's a surf metaphor. And I, <laughs> yeah. I love how you're saying it because the moment you're pushing down and you, like, you paddle up to the wave, you're pushing down, that's when the wave is already behind you. So the abundance of the wave actually will, will barrel you into like a complete new well, place of the shore or however you want to carry on in that metaphor. Exactly. I love it because surf metaphors work well in, in my kind of references. And actually one of my um, morning visualizations I do um, from time to time, um, it's called priming. Tony Robbins speaks about it quite a bit as well. And one of those is find a moment in your life that you felt this abundance and happiness. And most often I go to this feeling during surfing when you're paddling for the wave and you know it's happening. So I love you. I love your metaphor right there. Oh, it, I mean, it's the best. You have like the weight of the world pushing you. Like it's, yeah. you know, you have this, this momentum that is it like is so powerful and so natural uh and it's i don't know to me it's like the it it you, your mind is just clear you know it's the ultimate moment of clarity and everything else that was bothering you outside of the water just kind of disappears absolutely well yes to surfing um <laughs> <laughs> well we've so far we've played soccer together um, yeah. maybe maybe a little caveat for people who are listening and who who uh, know victoria um, if you want to win a soccer match, play Andy and I. <laughs> I don't know why, but somehow we made it our uh, spiritual practice and, and lost almost every game possible. Hey, it's, you know, there's learning and failure next season. You know, next season will be better. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. There is learning and failure, lots of it. Cool. I, I, I love, I love this, this kind of take on abundance and happiness and, and very much also the people you surround yourself with. So. So there's, there's this saying, and, and some of you might have heard of it, like you are like the five people you surround yourself with the most. And you're, you're carrying that energy into this conversation with talking about the people you work with and the people that are your employees and how they, how they are the best people you could imagine for those, for those positions. So 
is that hard work for you or does that actually just kind of luckily come to you because you feel like you're radiating that? I think more so now than ever before it's, it's come to me. Uh, it takes a lot of practice and having, you know, hiring a lot of people that, that weren't the right fit or partnering with people that weren't the right fit to, to really get to know who, who is going to be the right fit. Um, and you know, it's, it's not always that they don't have the skills or they don't have the experience. It's just, there's that feeling, you know, that love that you can develop for somebody personally and professionally that if you can hire people that that embody that it just i mean it makes it makes things so much easier and in, in certain we've been so lucky that like every time we posted a position or uh, you know expressed interest in even posting a position somebody that just meets that criteria seems to walk in the front door very cool very cool yeah well, for me, this is how I experience life um, quite a bit as well. It's like the next thing you, you need, the moment you really want or need it or desire it or put it out there, um, there is a way or other of it showing up. And that could be a person walking in the front door. Um, but once you start trusting that, right, and you build your own momentum of belief and um, kind of have your team around you that has a similar kind of way of going about things. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very different reality, though, than like the, the, the hard grind from nine to five and like trying to get things done in order to get to that place. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean we don't have to get things done. Of course, there's lots of that too. Yeah. Um, just feels very different. And you have a lot, of more, a lot more questions, so I just want to kind of move on to the next one. And sure. if you had an apprentice in your field of, of being an entrepreneur, of being a, like a founder, a visionary founder in that sense, in, in your case, like if you had an apprentice, what would be three things you'd pass on to them? Three things you learned? I think the most most important one would be do only what only you can do. That would be that would be the first thing. I think founders, especially me, have a tendency to be like, I'm the best at everything. I'm going to do everything. And, you know, that that means that you start alienating people. Um, you know, you start belittling people, which is, is really not uh, a good way uh, to go about things. Um, number two only surround yourself with people that you love. And I mean, that's not like the, uh, you know, marriage type of love. It's, it's the type of love that like, you know, you, you care for that person. You want to be involved with that person. You want to spend time with that person because eight hours a day, five days a week for most of your life, like that is a big chunk of your life. And if you're spending it with people that you don't love or you don't want to be around or you dislike, it makes your life so much worse. And that applies to employees, business partners, even clients. Like here, here at Certain, it's the only time in my life where I have consciously turned away money. I have turned away clients. We've fired clients. Um, and I mean, it's never like citing, yeah, we, we didn't like you. It's just, this isn't working out. You know, if, if we're going to be partners for an indefinite period of time, unfortunately, you know, our relationship is, is not going to work out. And it has honestly been the the best thing that we have have ever done. Very and then interesting. Yeah. the third piece of advice, um, and and I mean arguably the most important, is that the journey is just as important as the pot of gold at the end of it. If you spend all your time trying to find the pot of gold, 
you're going to have lived your life in a way that's not fulfilling, uh, looking for something that when you get it, I can guarantee you I've had it. It's not going to change your life the way you thought it would. Um, and when you look back on those days that you could have been enjoying getting to where you were trying to go, uh, you know, you, you, you'll wish that you were either back in those days or that you could, um, have lived those days to the fullest. I mean, I, I think of it as like, you know, road trips to surfing, not to bring it back to surfing, but like, bring it back to surfing. Yeah. yeah I mean, in the, in the Pacific Northwest, like if you don't enjoy the drive to the surf, you know, the, and you get skunked, you wasted a lot of time. Totally. In, in a, to continue the serving metaphor, it's like if you're sitting out in the water waiting for the next set to come in, um, you're not just going to only have perfect rides, right? Like you're also sitting there just to be. And yeah, exactly. I had this, this magical moment down in Jordan River a little while ago where um, nothing was coming in for like 20, 30 minutes. I was just sitting there and uh, out of nowhere, the gray sky opened and like this beautiful sunset started pouring in. And then literally... It was raining a little bit too. So there's a rainbow on the other side. And I'm just like, hey, I just came out for this today. Exactly. If you're worried about sitting around when you're surfing, which is like in the Pacific Northwest, like 70% of your time, it's not that exciting. If you can enjoy those rainbows, it's great. Yeah, very interesting. Hey, um, I know that last summer you, you and I, um, we already played soccer, I believe. And you had a very cool story and it just kind of popped into my head about a sailboat and literally the way abundance manifests even without money. You mind to share that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, a friend and I, we were, uh, we were helping uh, a friend of ours who's, uh, who's a little bit older. Um, he wanted to get back into sailing. He had a boat that, that sort of deteriorated. So he and I were helping him get his boat fixed up. Uh, and we were walking down the dock, uh, and there was a little auction. Um, and there was a, a little sailboat. It was a, a, a Tanzer 22. And the, the auctioneer goes, um, you know, uh, $25, like, you know, anyone for $25, some guy raises his hand, uh, $50, and, and we just walk in. I just, I happen to raise my hand for 50 bucks, thinking, <laughs> well, this is, this is never going to happen for us. And my wife's like, not another boat <laughs> and uh, and sure enough we get this boat for 50 bucks um we cleaned it off uh, i mean unfortunately throughout the journey we we had the the dinghy that it came with got stolen uh oh. but i mean all good uh you know at the end of the day we ended up selling it for like 1600 dollars wow. uh, a, a few months later yeah, yeah, to uh, to some uh, some uh, to actually a really good cause. I mean, the boat was worth probably more than sixteen hundred bucks. Um, but yeah, it was uh, some uh, whale conservationist, which was was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, we made a little money. We got to have a little bit of fun, and um, yeah, just stumbled upon a sailboat for fifty dollars. I find it remarkable because while you're telling that, if somebody is is just listening to the audio recording of it later, like you have this big smile on your face and. I can just feel the joy for what you have experienced putting into, that's why I asked you about this story, putting into like practice what you just said about like enjoying the journey. Like I've seen the boat one day and it wasn't like the best sailboat in the world, but it, it was sure like a really nice sailboat, right? So yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, <laughs> that's, and it's, it's funny because right after we, we sold that boat, uh, the gentleman who we helped fix up his boat 
basically said, hey, if you guys want to sail my boat, you can use it anytime you want to. Like, it, it's your boat. And, uh, and I mean, so ever since, you know, he's been looking for people to sail with. Uh, it's been great because we've been able to take it out. We've been able to use it like our own. Um, and it saved us having to buy a sailboat. But also, you know, meant that we brought joy to uh, this guy's life because now, you know, he's got people to race with on Thursdays. Um, and I mean, it's, it's just great. Like it's, you know, we, we're taking people out all the time, whether it be like a race or just, you know, cruising around. Very cool. Very cool. I have another question for you, um, possibly off the topic of sailing. Um, do you read? And then if yes, what were the last one or two books that really made an impact in, in kind of your, your journey? So I, the, I mean, this is probably like not going to make me sound that great, but like I, I have a very hard time reading. So um, one of the things that almost nobody knows about me um, is that I, I, I don't read very well. Like if you had asked me to read a book, um, I am probably the slowest reader uh, that you uh, have ever met. I mean, audiobooks. Thanks for being honest. I love that. That's why I asked, like, do, do you hey. read? What about Audible? Yeah. Oh no, I do. I, I definitely, uh, do audiobooks. is like audiobooks are, are really great. And I, I find that like, I listen to the most boring stuff. So I'm sure that most of the people you talk to are like, uh, you know, listening to like, you know, tell us, I don't believe it. I, I think everything is interesting depending on the angle you look at it from. So, <laughs> so, so tell us what are, what are the audibles that are fascinating in your life? Oh, so, I mean, uh, most recently was like, um, you know, drug testing in America was like, was, was one that I listened to. Um, that was, that was really interesting. Uh, actually, uh, uh, I've been listening to a lot on food. I'm not really good at what, like, I can never remember what the titles were, but I'm on like a bit of a, of a dietary kick right now where, you know, I want to like hone my diet and, and eat right. Um, just because in Victoria, it's so much easier to do that. Like when I lived in Toronto or New York, it was like, I just ate out all the time and now it's like you know I have the opportunity to to actually you know learn about health so it's it's really interesting hearing about like uh you know vegan diets and you know uh the impacts of sugar on on health and um you know paleo and all these other uh and uh keto diets all I mean all of those are I I find really interesting you know I I haven't fully subscribed to anyone yet but that's a lot of a lot of the stuff very interesting. There is that follow-up question, um, and maybe not just diet-related, but what does your like typical day look like? Do you have any like uh, set of routines or certain things or certain diets that you come back to because you know they work and they keep your energy level high? Definitely. Uh, the big thing for me is like, I mean, my routine is is uh, is something that I, I swear by, um, and the first thing I do like every morning, I wake up. Uh, I'm not the earliest riser. Like I, I wake up at six. Um, and the first thing I do, uh, is, is kind of just not really meditate, but like, as I'm making my smoothie for the day, I just kind of think of like, you know, what am I thankful for? Um, you know, what things do I need to work on? And, and, you know, what are the things that I really need to accomplish today? Um, and, and I have a few different categories, uh, you know, like most people, you know, what do I need to do personally? Uh, what do I need to do business wise? And then, you know, the third is, you know, what do I need to do to help make someone else's life better? Or like, you know, how can I help somebody else? Uh, and then I make my smoothie, I bike to work, 
uh, like I do every day. And uh, I actually bike to the gym before I bike to work. Uh, and myself, my two business partners, we work out together every day at the YMCA here in Victoria. So anyone who's uh, you know around town between 6.30 and 7 a.m., we're typically working out uh, you know, 6.30 till, uh, till 7.30, 8 o'clock. And then the three of us, we walk from the, the gym back to the office together. And usually that's cool. Is that a daily thing? Every day. Every day. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, we're, you must be, you must be ripped at this point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, it's it, by, by my body, you'd probably think it's more like social hour than like <laughs> than gym time. Which is totally fine as well. I feel like big, a big part of, of the gym time that I have spent in my life is social time. Exactly. I mean, we, we have a, we have a pretty good routine now. Like, you know, we're, we're getting into it. I've definitely like, you know, felt gains in the last uh, couple months. Um, but i we do it more for like just health and it's a good time like to spend with each other where, you know, we don't have to talk about business, you know, we're focused on working out and it, like, it's, it's a really easy time to like support each other and compliment each other. Cause you're, or, I mean, or criticize each other, you know, like, <laughs> what do you mean? You're like, you're, you're not going to lift that extra weight or like, you know, you're not going to spend that, you know, extra, uh, you're not going to exert that extra little bit of energy. Um, and it's good accountability because like, you know, that your two best buds and your two business partners are going to be at the gym in the morning. So you, you better be up in there. You better be up. Yeah. I find it very interesting what you, what you're, uh, what you're sharing. I think, well, first of all, um, there's obviously like not one right way to start one's day, but, um, I've asked this question to a few people at this point and a lot of people, if they're aware of it or not, what they're doing is they're attuning to the energy that they kind of are most productive in or have the most joy or are radiating who they are. Right. So like, as you're saying, you're making your smoothie, you're like, well, I'm not technically meditating, but then again, is meditation only this one form? Um, I just actually had Ar Ar um, Arjuna Ardak on the line earlier today, um, who, who is a, a teacher and, goes into the esoterics and goes into all of the philosophy and she talks about meditation not being limited to just sitting and kind of praying but like being this state when you're tuned to the energy that that that's kind of like vaster than yourself right and it sounds like in one way or other that's exactly what's happening there for you in the morning well it's, I, I mean i'm i'm totally on side with that because you know like like you said like you know i don't i don't sit there with my legs crossed in fact I can barely cross my legs. Um, I'm really not very flexible, but uh, uh, you know, I, I don't do that, but there's definitely times in my day, whether it be like, you know, surfing or um, like, you know, probably too much information, but like showering or in the bathroom is like where I, I have the best ideas, you know, like it's where, you know, the names of great things come up. It's where like the best ideas happen. It's those times when you're kind of zoning out, uh, listening to the universe as opposed to yeah. uh, you know your own zoning uh, out and zoning in I like that. exactly yeah. very very cool um hey i have i have another question um about one of those buzzwords we were playing with earlier and that has a lot to do with green planet blue planet and the word is purpose um what does purpose mean to you and then would you say you're you're in purpose right now you're doing something that you would consider purposeful yeah i mean i think purpose has like internal and external meaning. Uh, and you know, for me, you know, my purpose internally, uh, it, it, I mean, it's, it's to influence as many people as I can. And, and selfishly it's, 
it's to just enjoy every minute of my short time uh, that I have on this planet. And I think, you know, externally, the purpose is that like, is to leave a legacy, you know, what, uh, what can you leave behind that, uh, that is, is greater than yourself. Um, and I, I don't think that's always business related. I don't think that that's always, um, it's definitely not financially related. Uh, and I'd say, you know, right now I'm on purpose. You know, I, 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 I live a very good life for myself and I, I try and live a good life for other people and, and make sure that, you know, everything I do is inclusionary, that my friends and my family and my colleagues are, are happy and healthy and do whatever I can to make sure that the, the, the people around me are elevated with me. There is this um, kind of frequency of joy and happiness when you speak that I, I really value and, and acknowledge about you. That That's just like, yeah, like that's so spot on. You know, it's totally a feeling of purpose is being in this place. And like in our society, we have so many, um, we said this offline before the conversation, like the boxes of what's normal or right or wrong. And I feel like when we dare to open this box a little bit more, it really comes back down to how does it feel um, and how does it feel to the people that you're impacting? Um, because that's going to carry itself into their actions and their next encounters, right? Definitely. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's that effect of like, if, if you, and you can feel it, you know, when you, even, even the smallest thing of like holding a door for somebody or saying hi, um, being a Maritimer, I was born in the Maritimes, went to school in the Maritimes. Uh, you say hi to everybody walking down the street. And, and that's something that you don't do really anywhere else. Uh, and I, I find that, you know, by taking that, that friendly mentality, you know, the, the little things can actually have a, a huge impact on somebody's day because you never know what's going on uh, between the ears of the person that you just open the door for or that you, that you just smile for. And I mean, you know, life's not that bad for me, you know, like it's, I have no reason to be upset. And I think it can frustrate the hell out of some people, but, you know, for me, it's like, if I just look at no the things, yeah, yeah, it's like, I, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world and I'm like, you know, not excited for that. But like, you know, for me personally, if I bring a positive attitude towards everything I can do, maybe I can help promote change that way. And if, you know, if I can help in a, in a positive light, that's hopefully benefiting everybody. If not, I'm having a good time at the very least. <laughs> I, I love how, how you are like a, um, very recognized entrepreneur and you keep stretching in this conversation that it's not just business that makes this kind of impact. And um, I find that very remarkable because I find it hard to listen to people who believe that the only impact we can do through business, which I, I believe business is a great leverage point and social impact and, business, and social entrepreneurship is, is amazing. However, it's just one element in kind of the puzzle. So I, I really want to kind of point at that. You, you keep speaking about um, all these different ways how we can kind of uplift one another. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the, it, I mean, if you're leaving behind a legacy that, that's just business, you're, you're, you're easy, to, easy to be forgotten, you know, unless you're, you know, you invented, uh, you're Henry Ford and you invented the car or, you know, there was the industrial. Or Kijiji. Or Kijiji, yeah, maybe. But, uh, but I, I just, I was amalgamated into that. Um, but it, it really, it, it comes down to like, you know, at the end of the day, what, what do I want my legacy to be? Um, and if you have all this money and you have all this, this, this freedom, like 
you know, why not share it with, with everybody else? And I think that the wealthiest people in the world are starting to figure this out right now. I mean, you look at, uh, you look at the wealthiest people in America uh, alone, uh, with the amount of money that they have, they could probably solve some of the major problems in the world. And, you know, when, when they die, who's going to get their money? You know, like, is it the, like the next 10 generations, of their kids? Well, you know, what, what is, what impact are those next 10 generations going to have? And if you're going to keep that money, it's which, you know, to each their own, but you know, how do you embed it in your genetics in your teachings to your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids of you know, how do we make the world a better place? Um, because if we keep doing what we are doing, you know, who knows what the world's going to be like for our grandkids or, or, or 10 generations down the line. Yeah, very true. There's certainly still a lot to be done uh, to kind of arrive in a place of homeostasis or balance individually and then also as a collective and, and with our planet as an ecosystem. Um, that leads me to like my favorite question and actually the reason why I started this show over a year ago. Um, and that question is, if we as humanity had a shared vision for the next 100 or 200 years, what would uh, Andrew's vision for the next 100 years, 200 years look like? Well, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I think as a, you know, a shared vision, I, I, I think that we would have to get everybody on the same page that, that our planet is, is the most important thing we have. Um, you know, in all of space travel and all of research, you know, we, we, we have realized that this planet is, it may not be one of a kind, but it's certainly very rare to have the kind of environment and the kind of place that we do. And, you know, every time you throw that cigarette butt or, you know, drop that plastic in a sewer or, you know, leave something in the ocean, you're, you're killing our most precious thing for, for everybody. So the, you know, the one thing that, you know, of, of one of probably two things um, that I, I think is most important is that we put our planet first. And, and secondly is like, you know, let's, let's love each other. Like let's, let's embrace that, you know, people can have different opinions and different ideas and, and all this kind of stuff, but like, let's look out for um, our, our fellow humans. I mean, we, we really, we need to come together. We're in a, a, a state now, I think globally where, you know, there's a lot of criticism and, and a lot of hate being spread where if we could all start looking at, you know, what is, what's best for not just me, but, you know, what is best for everybody and how do we together work towards that? Uh, I, I think that's something that in the next 100 or 200 years, we should be eliminating things like, um, like hunger uh, or, you know, you know, people that still don't get access to clean drinking water, which is something that like, you know, we, we take for granted hugely and it, it like is not overly expensive, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and yeah, I mean, those are really the, the two things I'd like to see as like a vision for, for the world. Very, very powerful. Thank you for this amazing answer. Um, hey, Andrew, is there any, anything else you want to share, you want to add, you want to make sure you said uh, as we're wrapping up this interview? No, I think, I mean, I, I've, I've, I love the discussions that we, we've had here today. And I think that, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super grateful for being invited. And, uh, you know, if you, if you ever need someone to come back, I'm, I'm here for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, those are just conversation starters. Um, where can people get in touch with you? What's the best place, social media or email or like, how do you like to be contacted? 
Yeah, I mean, the best place to get in touch with me is uh, is uh, is probably LinkedIn's really good. Uh, Andrew McLeod certain is a really easy way to get a hold of me. Uh, that or um, follow me on Instagram, Andrew McLeod one. And uh, and yeah, I, I love to connect. If you're if you're into outdoors, uh, check out our coolers. Uh, a company I started a few years ago called MI Products. We make coolers and backpacks. Uh, Victoria, BC-based company. And uh, yeah, that's my, my quick little plug. You're full of surprises. I love it. Cool. Andrew, thanks for being on the show. And uh, yeah, th this was excellent. I, I love having you. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. Make sure to follow the podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Check us out either on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you love to listen to this kind of information. My name is Julian Guderlei. Wherever you are in the world, have yourself a stellar day.